Hello and welcome to B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizik. As always, we're sponsored by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps you close more deals faster by creating strategic video testimonials to be used at all stages of your buyer's journey. On today's episode, I'm joined by Stefan Hedebrandt from Dream Data. We talk about how to align sales and marketing teams with a shared ICP and shared targets, mapping the customer journey using real data to optimize spend, and how to measure a demand gen strategy on LinkedIn. Hey, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dustin. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So we come from, you know, kind of similar backgrounds. We worked on the sales side, the marketing side, and today we're going to talk about, you know, where those two intersect and some of the issues I'm sure we both dealt with in our careers yeah. with those two teams interacting. Um, but let's start like before we we signed up for this and we started the interview, you were talking about the main issue often is misaligned uh targets, right? So the sales and marketing are focused on different targets and going in different directions. Do you want to unpack that and kind of explain your thoughts there a bit? Yeah, and I probably even want to expand it to, to the whole company. Um, I think when, when our company dreamed that it really started to, to take off was when we actually agreed upon a, a shared uh, ideal customer profile. People typically call it an ICP, but just, just yeah. want to say it out, out loud. <laughs> but once yeah. we, we settled on actually defining who is it actually we're trying to sell to, who is it we're trying to market to, who are we building for, who do we need to keep happy, that mm -hmm. made the whole company move uh, a lot faster. And then if you then narrow it into to sales and marketing, then we have a very like uh, objectively verifiable description of what yeah. an ideal customer is today. So these are the ones that we in marketing try to attract. And we only assign salespeople to the accounts that come to our website that fits mm -hmm. this definition. So that really ensures that we're not in lack of better, better, better word, just pouring in low quality leads uh, to the salespeople and essentially just wasting their time. And that has really made us like, and the salespeople also simultaneously get a lot better at selling to this one ideal customer profile because they know who they are they know who, how they think they know which questions they should be asking and i just see so 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 many other of my uh, marketing fillers that are um, in other companies where um, like they're led by the sales team and then sales team dictates what do we do or the product team dictates it and there's not this one shared vision for who is the product for and then mm -hmm. let's everybody move in the same direction and, and spend our resources towards achieving the same thing yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And on the surface, it sounds simple, right? Like just pick yeah. who your product is for. I've been through that a bunch of times and niching down and actually realizing you're not for everyone is incredibly difficult, I've found. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say no sometimes if somebody comes yeah. knocking, uh, at least for the salespeople who make their <laughs> commission on like yeah. winning a deal. But when you're in a, in a software a subscription business, then... You have to pay attention to whether is it actually likely that this customer is going to be a happy customer? Is mm -hmm. it likely that they're going to renew their contract, potentially upsell? And if the salesperson have just signed a contract where it's kind of almost the antithesis of <laughs> of the ideal yeah. customer, then CS is going to be spending a whole lot of time just to realize that they maybe they even can't even renew this customer in the end. Yeah, and I like pulling in CS there. Like to me, I view marketing sales CS as a revenue team. Like that's how it should be all the way through. And yeah. I think, you know, through it all the same. Um, and then quick question about, you know, you said sales only really interacts with the ones that come through your site. I assume through some 
high intent channel, like a demo request or something yes. similar. Yeah. I'm curious how you, because you have a free version as well, which I was just checking out before this. I'm going to yeah, sign yeah, up yeah. and test it out. How do sales handle that? Like what part do they play? We did, um, they play a super big part. So we treat, you can say, demo calls and free signups kind of the same, at least mm -hmm. if they fit our ideal customer profile. They, um, like, once they convert either from the, the demo form or the free signup form, they float into our CRM, which is uh, HubSpot. If they then fit our definition of this ideal customer, we associate uh, an, uh, an account executive to the, the deal. And they they work it. You can say somehow it's sometimes it's easier with the demo call because the time is already scheduled. Yeah. But we basically just instruct people to act as if it was a demo call. So reach out, offer your help, try to get the get the contact made. And then you can say there is though um, when you do run a freemium model like ours, the the AE is not just like a salesperson. They actually also have to be able to to get the customer to like a, a proof of concept stage. Mm -hmm. So like tracking install, we've extracted some data, the engine is kind of running. It doesn't have to be perfect, but the customer needs some sort of proof that uh, that it works. So the AEs, uh, they play kind of uh, like a, somewhat of a hybrid role between uh, account executive, but also able to get the customer to somewhat of a, of, of a POC as well. Yeah, and I think having, just to tie it back to what you mentioned about having the ICP really mapped out so you, you know, you can have higher touch with the ones who are a big fit who come in through free. Yeah. And then, you know, let the other ones maybe marinate for a bit. And if they start interacting and you can see their usage, I assume there's some kind of sales trigger there. And yeah, it's yeah. a nice way to do it rather than burning sales time on every single lead. And it also comes to kind of the tools that, so we, like for our platform to work, we need to integrate with uh, the tech stack or go-to-market tech stack of, of our customers. Yeah. And if the ICP is uh, very specifically defined, the the CRMs are Salesforce, HubSpot, Microsoft Dynamics, potentially potentially Pipedrive, but that's mm -hmm. it. So the salesperson gets better at better at working with those CRMs. They know what are the ad platforms they use. So we nowadays we rarely hear requests uh, for new integrations because everything is so yeah. aligned towards just one kind of uh, um, company. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, to go on a different tracker, you mentioned ad platforms and it kind of ties into attribution, which is what you guys do over there and focus on. Um, to tie it to the marketing and sales side as well, I I don't love the marketing source versus sales sourced <laughs> debate. I've been there, yeah. done that. It's not a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how you guys handle that, being a company that focuses on attribution. Yeah, um, how to, to get at this. <laughs> so... <laughs> First of all, um, I think where we typically can go very wrong is these companies that are like overly relying on the CRM system, the original yeah. source, the lead source, because that can be uh, manipulated and opinionated and uh, <laughs> people shift it around all the time. The way we work is more objectively. So we take the timestamps of all activities, like... From this account, which is called testimonial here, what was the first touch we had? This was a click on an ad. Yes, then it's true afterwards that somebody picked up the phone to like get the meeting booked, but everything runs in kind of like with timestamps. So you can't just kind of, it, it, it's, it's non-opinionated what was the first touch here. Whereas these companies who are, who are run on the CRM system, 
they don't understand what's actually the customer journeys leading into um, to these demo calls or to the pipeline and so forth. Yeah, you see that with, you know, everything is website organic. It's, yeah. it's all brought in through search, but you know for sure is not mm. true at all. Um, yeah, we, yeah uh, having that timestamp, sorry, having that timestamp is huge. It's also really hard to, to get like everything quantitatively. So how do you, you know, layer in the qualitative parts and really paint that full journey? So we, uh, that's also good to understand. So we only work with stuff that leaves a digital trace behind. Um, mm -hmm. So there's kind of, there's these things that happens, you know, in Slack channels, at conferences, you and I speaking together. Those things we cannot map into the account's journey unless it, ha it has a digital trace. So that would be, I met Dustin at this conference uh, at this date. Mm -hmm. If that's not there, it doesn't go into what we do. So our focus is really saying, what is all the information you have available about your account's journeys in any data silo? So data silo being a CRM, marketing automation, CS tool, ad platform, intent, pl intent platforms, website, et cetera. And then we get the data out of all of the silos and then enrich one account profile and then join that account profile with the money component uh, from the CRM system. And this is, uh, you can say, the magic we've built that mm -hmm. like once you connect now, we automatically extract the data and we automatically clean it up and model it and, and connect it to the pipeline. Yeah, I, that's really interesting, especially on the paid side as well, because there's like attributing cost per lead across paid channels, especially when you use LinkedIn for demand gen. And then, you know, maybe they Google a high intent term and then they Google your brand campaign and like... How do you figure out how much that actually cost is, is the tricky part for sure. Yeah. And then in our account journey view, which is like a, the time timeline of the account, if we're able to capture anything from LinkedIn, that will be the first touch. And then you'll see multiple uh, timestamps. And then suddenly this person then comes from Google, either organically or through paid search where they put in your brand name. But you'll still be able to also see that first interaction that was was uh, generated from uh, from LinkedIn. So it's um, I think the people who uh, who nowadays uh, still bash <laughs> attribution on on LinkedIn, uh, you see the occasional threat that hey you can't measure anything, so forget about it. <laughs> I, I don't think they know how much uh, progress has been made with technology nowadays, mm -hmm. like. Like a user in our database is uh, is able to have multiple emails. It's able to have multiple devices. So over time, you build a really, really strong graph of what is every single person doing associated to your company. And these companies get associated to accounts. So whereas Stefan and Dustin might in the old days have been two individuals, mm -hmm. they're now part of the same timeline. So if I start the journey and you're the one that signs the contract, we can still take the money from the contract and put on Stefan because he's part of the same uh, account journey. Yeah, I think that's important for for LinkedIn in particular, right? So I, I remember years ago, um, you know, when I first started out, I started out in ads. That was primarily what I did. And yeah, that was the old school LinkedIn lead form, you know, download mm. an ebook and measuring it. It never worked out, right? We yeah. switched to a demand gen model here. Um, which has worked, but like you said, quantitatively with our setup, it's hard. It's me, you know, mapping an account yeah. list. These are on our target accounts. They interacted, they converted. Yeah. We so, actually, uh, yeah, I want to just share a small anecdote on that yeah, topic sure. because we, yeah. 
when we start when I started running uh, account based marketing on LinkedIn as well, I, I saw the same pattern. Uh, I ran some video ads, image ads, carousels, etc. No direct conversions. But yeah. what I could see was, hey, somebody came come through organically. Somebody comes directly and books yeah. them. That more things were coming through, and the only thing I changed was this. What we we have a now a um, an official partnership with LinkedIn where they actually expose engagement data from the LinkedIn ads, mm-hmm. and that means that people who just you know swipe through your ad, just press play on a video, um, without them actually submitting the lead form or clicking through to your website, will still get information that this account interacted with your ad now. And that's kind of been the the missing link that like we all know that it makes sense to run these ads towards very targeted accounts, but we mm-hmm. just didn't have the proof before. But now with these like LinkedIn becoming more liberal with the data date they share you can you can start to tell that story uh, better than what you you used to do yeah and it makes a super strong case to you know the cfo who depending on your C- cfo but a lot of them want yeah. okay what is my cost per channel per lead yeah. how does this map to revenue and it's just not a perfect one to one science there I so would also anything say to that help. the cfos needs to to up their game a little because <laughs> because like, like that's not b2b it's not like you're not selling yeah. a running shoe here where you run an ad they click an ad yeah they buy your running shoe we put out some benchmarks uh, last year where we looked at our customers data from first touch to a deal being won was 192 days on average some mm-hmm. longer some shorter there was an average of 31 sessions involved and more than two people involved uh, on the deals. So these 31 sessions, like it's exactly like you say, Justin, you start the journey one place, then you catch them with retargeting on another channel, then you yeah. probably pay brand search afterward as well. And this this thing about narrow-mindedly saying, <laughs> I need to understand that one single platform that is the best, it just doesn't apply to how B2B actually uh, works. Yeah, and I would say there's, I don't know how to explain the concept really, but there's almost a pipeline before the real pipeline. Yeah, I mean, there's products from these ads that they've run where I've interacted with them. I'm probably not in their CRM because I've never yeah. given my info, engaged. But if I ever have that need, I'm going to them already. Yeah. So there's this weird like pre-pipeline that you have to focus on. It's, that's really a good expression. What we uh, what we can see in our data from our customers is exactly what you're saying here, that the known sales cycle is pretty much the same as the unknown sales cycle or yeah. a little bit longer. So the time people spend uh, lurking or researching mm-hmm. your website is the same length as when the salespeople say our customer journey is X because now the lead entered the CRM. Yeah. No, it, they're actually spending a lot of time figuring out what you do or in these days where you run, run these demand gen campaigns, you're running it towards people who are not in market right now. So Obviously, they're going to be a long time before they're raising their hands, saying that now it's budget and now we now we can sell. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and I think so. I think we're running some similar playbooks, which is super interesting. Yeah, I'm curious then how you think through content for that you know pre-sales funnel because you can't just hammer them over the head with this is exactly what our product does. Here's a walkthrough because there's yeah. more like the pain you know explaining their situation. So how do you think through content creation there? Oh. We're if the, if you could if you're either a gator or a non-gator, uh, we're definitely <laughs> keeping uh, things very open. Yeah. The way I think about um, a website is that it 
it should be some it should be a unit that basically ex- answers any question that any customer might have about your product. Mm-hmm. Um, so the salesperson don't need to gate all that knowledge behind <laughs> behind yeah. their demo calls. And that also means it's not just about uh, answering the questions of your main persona, but it's also about answering the questions of those that that are going to be asking questions when yeah. you say, hey, I want this piece of software. And then like these days where there's a lot of economic turmoil, it's, you know, the CFO might get involved. There's procurement, there's the legal, there's uh, DPAs and stuff like that. Yeah. And your website needs to answer all of these things. And I just don't think that a lot of that is suitable to to hide behind uh, gates as such. Yeah, we, we take a similar approach. Like our even our, our demand gen stuff, our goal, this is probably way too too broad, but you know, on a very broad level, we want yeah. everyone in our ICP to know who we are, what we do, and why they should care. Yeah. And if we got to pay money to get that message in front of them, and they're going to convert a year later, mm. it is what it is. So it's kind meaningful. of... Yeah, it's honestly one of the first companies that I've worked at that has this approach and embraces it, Yeah, which is kind of cool because I feel like I'm getting back to actual marketing a little bit rather than, you know, sales disguised as marketing, even though they're so related. Mm. Yeah. I just think that where the, this is, a, now we're getting marketing geeky, but where they kind of, the, <laughs> the dimension people rubs me a little bit wrong sometimes is that it sounds like they almost don't want to be accountable for revenue at all. Uh, yeah, where it's kind of ah, uh, you can't just go spend out, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, and not kind of explain why are we doing it, what mm-hmm. do we expect in return, etc. So I think that it's that there's this um, there's this split between what you said before, which is ex- exactly right. We need to get in front of the right people with the right message, and then they'll come by at some point when they have budget, authority, need, <laughs> timing, etc. <cetera. laughs> Yeah. But you also, I, I think that like when you're doing marketing, you're spending a lot of money and you can't just be wasting money. So yeah. if, you doesn't, if you don't have the proof, you still need to come up with, or like quantitative proof, then come up with qualitative proof that people sharing your ads, liking your ads, commenting on mm-hmm. the ads, talking about it in forums, etc. Just keep a folder of screenshots of all the things that where people appreciate your, uh, your marketing. Yeah, no, I think that's a good approach. And I think now, you know, we're all, or most of us at least, have but more budget constraints. Like you said, the economy yeah. <laughs> is in turmoil. We're asked to cut things. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think the companies that cut wisely, uh, I'm sure you've seen this in your data, but a lot yeah. of companies are spending, wasting money on Google. Like Google Ads is our, yeah. our main channel, one of our main channels for high intent. Yeah. But I've I've seen, you know, how easy it is to waste. So I think the companies that are super lean and efficient there at, you know, those high intent channels and then take some of that money that they can afford, put it a little higher up and get their message out. I think those ones will succeed instead of just cut everything, pour a bunch of money in Google and hope it works. Yeah. Yeah. And if we, if we come back to the topic of, of sales marketing uh, alignment yeah. here, um, yeah. I think it's also a matter of pushing the right metrics on the marketing teams. So that is kind of like you as a VP revenue don't really care how many emails they they can collect no. per per month. <laughs> you probably care more about how many demo calls is being generated, or at, at best, kind of how many deals you win, or how much reaches the sales pipeline. So, I think it's about everybody who's listening starting to. If you're a marketer, 
to demand more of yourself in terms of showcasing how far down the pipeline the stuff you produce goes. Mm-hmm. But if you if you're on the sales team or you're the CFO, you should be asking questions, not about how many more emails can we collect, but how much more like quality demand can we uh, can we create? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. If it's emails, we can just run you know stupid cat videos and, <laughs> and collect the uh, emails of uh, like grandmothers or something like that. But <laughs> but the sales team is not going to sell so one single one of uh, of those. Yeah, no, I've said that before. Like, give me an MQL goal, MQL being email, and I can get there. Uh, yeah. You probably don't want to, though, necessarily. So the way I've always structured, even on the marketing side, is, you know, I've always called SQLs basically demo. So those high intent requests. And then I have some yeah. type of quality metric on top. So how much yeah. of those are actually passing, you know, sales test there and, you know, mm. they're actually qualified. Yeah. And that's maybe overly simple, but that's kind of our core North Star metric I've always had in marketing. I think that uh, that's actually we, what we've just introduced now is also um, uh, so if we measure we call them sales acceptable leads and yep. that means that it's a company who submitted our demo call or signed up for free that fits our ideal customer profile and is assigned to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the sales pipeline, but it's it's somebody that we found worthy of assigning to an account executive. Yeah, and th- I think that's. If you're really being fair, it's just about as far as marketing can go <laughs> in yeah. B2B because the last stage is really salesperson demoing, helping the customer to buy the product, uh, et cetera. Yeah. I know we talk about you should produce revenue and sales pipeline, but like where we can be proactively taking care of stuff is until the demand comes in and that demand is something that looks like uh, high quality normally. Yeah, like we were talking before this, you know, we both, Sales is a science and an art, so you can drive in the best demand. And if you don't have the right salespeople and sales process, it just falls falls through there. Um, That's I hear a lot of uh, my marketing friends where like they don't speak to the sales team or like they're scared of the sales team or the sales team sits in another country or something like that. Yeah. And that, like that's kind of this a misalignment thing where like if you feel like I'm putting in quality stuff here, but nobody from the sales team shows up to the demo calls, nobody chases the lead, stuff like that. There's not never going to be any return on, on ad spend or ROI here because you're just representing cost and the revenue is not being closed. So yeah, companies are wasting money in the end then. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I think, you know, to kind of come full circle here back to the aligning everything uh, based on the same targets, I, I think that's a good one. Like we said, those, whether you call it like, you know, uh, high intent opportunities or SQLs or SALs, but whatever that yeah, definition yeah, yeah. is, because otherwise you end up with sales and marketing, you know, kind of like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other, blaming each <laughs> other for all the things that could possibly yeah. go wrong, which it just never works. Like it never, I've never seen that work. Yeah. I think like, I think a great way uh, to market this out there, just start thinking about the leads you bring in, in a physical form and shape. So like if this <laughs> person stood next to you and you talked with them who are you like where do you work where do you come from you would never ever then take that person in their hand and walk them over to the sales team if like it was somebody who was completely off uh, who you normally sell to so that that's why i'm actually i'm a big defender of the uh, of the mql if you like if you read it out loud it says a marketing 
qualified lead. It's not just the lead. Yeah. It's somebody who you actually should be like almost proud to present the sales team with. And that's where I think that term has kind of lost its weight because people don't think about that it actually needs to represent quality. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good way to point it out with bringing the person over. I'm picturing, you know, some random Gmail account person who yeah. their job and their title, like, here you go, sales, yeah. have fun. Yeah, you Which waste people's works. time. Yeah, and salespeople aren't cheap, right? Like nope. They, they cost not. money. <laughs> cool. Well, Stefan, I think we've covered the full gamut. We went a little off track and went on all things marketing, <laughs> geeked out a bit, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I learned a lot. Uh, for our listeners, though, if they want to learn more, connect with you, learn about TrueData, where should they go for that? Yeah, so it's uh, dreamdata.io. Uh, but yeah, as you follow me, Dustin, I'm, I'm spending yeah. way too much time on LinkedIn. So <laughs> <laughs> if people have a question, they can just uh, reach out there. Cool. So we'll include those links for our listeners. And yes, yeah, thanks again for joining me. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for listening to this episode. My key takeaway is when Stefan pointed out that his data shows that the unknown sales cycle, so the time before a customer actually reaches out and enters your CRM, is usually the same or a bit longer than your actual sales cycle. I think we all intuitively know this, but seeing data that really highlights that, it just shows the value of taking a demand generation approach and making sure you find a way to measure the success of it, either quantitatively or qualitatively, and finding a way to look back and see what's working. So again, thanks for listening, and I'll be back every Tuesday with a new episode.